This week at Macy's, get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers and 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Coming back after a long vacation, DB. We're back. What? We, what? We are back. <laughs> yeah. DB, I'm going to warn you right off the hop. I am pissed off today. I'm coming in super hot. I'm not in the mood for this. This is just some <laughs> nonsense going on out in the world. Um, and I'm not even talking about the riots and all that no. stuff. I'm talking about in the hockey world. I'm not a happy man today, DB. But we'll, we'll, I'm going to pause This should be that. awesome. Yeah. I'm going to pause it for a second. I'm going to save my rants. I just need to know how you're doing. Yep. Uh, this is probably the longest. I was thinking about this on the drive over today. In about the last 10 years, I don't think we've gone this long without seeing each other because even when the Kings exit, you know, in April yeah. and don't make the playoffs or whatever, you know, we see each other for some Dodger games or some parties sure. or whatever yeah. during the summer. I don't think I've gone this long and not seeing you. It's been for three like, months. Yeah, for like 10 years. Yeah, I'm good. You know, you see uh, the man cave's been uh, renovated a little bit here. I and like everything's it. Good. I like the digs. Um, looking good. Yeah, we're still doing uh, hot stove. So uh, we're doing the best we can. And hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel. So by the time we get to whenever the season starts again, probably in December or January, you know, uh, hopefully there'll be some fans back in the building. So I'm doing fine. Family's fine. Um, and we're just uh, doing our best. All right. So let's yeah. get into this, TB, because I have a lot to get uh, off my chest today. First, I want to start this off by saying right now. Rob Blake is not ruining the LA Kings. Okay. Okay. So I'm sick and tired of people on social media with all the changes that have happened with Rob or with Mike Fuda, with Mike Stuthers. We'll get into all this stuff today. Sure. Rob Blake is not the problem. You're the problem. Not as in you as in Dennis Bernstein, but if you think that Rob Blake is the problem, you're the problem. So let me just kind of lay yeah. this out real quickly, okay? Please, make I understand. Case. Let's go let's let's go way back in time. I'm going to address this one time and you know I love to reference people with links on Twitter. 100%. So when these people want to hit me up, I'm just going to constantly reference <laughs> this episode right here. So bookmark it, people, okay? <laughs> you're pissed off at Rob Blake because of what happened way back when when he was the captain of the LA Kings oh. and he took the C off the jersey and then eventually 
eventually he ended up getting traded to Colorado and you don't like the way that that was handled. Get over it. I'm going to tell you right now, I wasn't happy about it at the time. I was vocal about it at the time. I didn't like it either. I didn't appreciate the way that it was handled, but you learn more as time goes on. And facts, facts, Dennis, dictate how you should think about something. There were a lot of things going on behind the scenes. There were things happening with the PA. There were reasons why certain things happen. And not all of it was coming out publicly at the time. You know, John, facts get in the way of narratives. They do. So please. They absolutely do. Right. So get over that, people, because look, Rob Blake was enemy number one to Dean Lombardi. Dean Lombardi couldn't stand Rob Blake and, and, and swore that he was never going to bring him back and he wanted nothing to do with them. And then like mm-hmm. a Vince McMahon turn, right? <laughs> right. Vince McMahon will tell you that he's not bringing people back either. Yeah. And, then, and then he ends up bringing you back. And then Dean shocked the world when he signed Rob and brought him back. And then people want to get pissed off that Blake allegedly wasn't willing to waive his no trade clause mm-hmm. to go to San Jose right. uh, at the end of that term. You can't begrudge a player who's earned the right to get a no trade clause. That's BS. That was his right. You might not like the fact that he didn't do it because he didn't want to help the Kings, but he doesn't have to help the Kings. He, he earned, he played, he, he had earned that right. That's into his contract. And that's the same for any player. Who forced the GM to give him the no trade? Exactly. That's, that's my point. Exactly. (laughs) Don't be pissed. You need to learn where to channel your anger, people. And your anger on that one can't be directed at Rob Blake. So get over it. And now you want to talk about the fact that these, these idiots on social media, Rob Blake is ruining the Kings. Rob Blake is doing the furthest thing from ruining the LA Kings. Rob Blake is actually putting a plan in place. And Dennis, I've said this many, many times there right now, this is the best time to be a fan of the LA Kings, but you have to be smart enough to look at the big picture. You have to understand what's happening, not get caught up in the emotions of the day to day of what happens in a particular game or hey, they didn't make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I understand they didn't make the playoffs this year. But guys, only one team can win the Stanley Cup out of 31 teams. Is this team on the right track? Track, right. That's the question you need to be asking. And I've been trying to tell everybody, Dennis, on social media, on our podcast, and every radio interview since December of 2018, I've been trying to tell everybody this team is on the right track. And I'm going to tell you right now, Dennis, and I have no problem saying this. There is nobody that understands this organization better than I do. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if people want to say that that's cocky or that's arrogant or whatever. There is nobody out there that talks to more people about this organization than I do. If you need quotes after the game, I'm not your guy. Go talk to somebody else. But for all these people, journalists included, that want to take pot shots at the Kings organization, at Robitaille, at Blake, at that management team, and what they're trying to accomplish, you guys are fools in my opinion. You might not like what they're doing, but they are doing the right things to help this organization win. So now let's get into some of the more recent details, okay? Mike Fuda. People don't like the fact that they got rid of Mike Fuda. I don't like the fact that they got rid of Mike Fuda. Nor do I. I like Mike Fuda. But? Smart guy. One of the key three people. When you look at who was responsible for architecting and organizing the Stanley Cup, while the players earned the cup, let's be clear, the players earned those cups in 2012 and 2014. And Daryl Sutter deserves credit because he was behind the bench. There are three people, and there's, there, there are others, but the key three people, the trio of terror, the three people that orchestrated those cups, Dean Lombardi, Mike Fuda, and Mark Yanetti. Yep. Make no mistakes about it, okay? That's the group, and Dean's no longer here. That's fine. Mike Fuda, in my opinion, there was a place for him in the LA Kings organization. He's the type of person that you would want to keep around. However, I can understand why the decision was made. I don't like it, but I can understand it. And for me, it's the same thing with Kovalchuk. 
People want to complain about Kovalchuk. I, I, Dennis, we've talked about it on this show. You people You're might not tired like of it. talking about it. <laughs> people, I'm tired because, and I'm tired of talking about it because people might not like it, but I can understand it. I can explain every single move that mm. the Kings organization under Rob Blake has made. Right. I can understand why John Stevens was retained when right. he was. I would have fired him after the Vegas series, right. but I can understand why he was retained. I can understand why they went out and hired a bridge coach uh, in Willie Desjardins. It doesn't matter that he was the wrong guy and that it ended up not working. I can understand the logic of all of these moves. The one that I have a problem with and the one that's really pissing me off right now is the Mike Stuthers move. Okay, please. To me, it's unnecessary, okay? So here's why. Go back to the FUDA move. They couldn't find a place for Fuda in their new org structure right. of how they've done things. And they changed the job, John. They, 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 they've changed the job, and Fuda's job had changed multiple times. We've right. talked about it. I've written about it, right? He was doing different things, and, and Fuda was responsible, or largely responsible for bringing in some of these college-free agents, right? So his role had morphed and changed. But at the end of the day, in, in Rob's you know, circle of trust, they didn't believe or Rob didn't believe, whatever you want to say, that there was a spot for Mike Fuda in that. I can understand that. I don't agree with it, mm -hmm. but I understand it because in business, DB, and you know this, yeah. it's about surrounding yourself with some people that you trust and that you feel that you can go to war with. And for whatever reason, Fuda and Blake just weren't on the same page about right. that. Again, I, I'll say it a hundred times. It's not what I would have done, but I understand it. The Mike Stuthers one, I don't understand. And here's the reason why. Please. What do you need in an AHL coach? You need somebody to groom the players coming up to the NHL and take kids and make them men. That's it right there. You, you summed it up perfectly, DB. And when I look at this organization and I look at what's ahead of them for the next two or three years... They need somebody to do just that. They're bringing in Akil Thomas. They're bringing in Turcotte. They're bringing in Madden. They're bringing in all these kids over the next two or three years in Ontario that need to be groomed and need to be developed. That's the guy. And here's the thing. I get really pissed off when people want to lump him in as some dinosaur. I'm talking about Mike Stuthers. Right. As some dinosaur, as if you should compare him to Daryl Sutter. That is an insult. He is not Daryl Sutter, okay? Daryl Sutter is a demanding coach, is an old school coach who was able to get, the, get a, a performance out of people, but was not somebody who was always respectful, is not somebody that is universally liked, but he, he was able to get results. Yeah. That is not who Mike Stuthers is. All you have to do, John, is go to social media yesterday and see all the responses from players and non-players, people in the organization. I'm going to tell you something, DB. Mike Stuthers called my phone yesterday, several hours after the news broke. He, he got to my voicemail, and my voicemail was full. He sent me a text message that said, hey, dude, tried to call you. You know, your voicemail is full. You know what my reply back to him was? Yeah, dude, my voicemail is full because people keep calling me this morning <laughs> to talk about you. And that's the 100% honest truth, Dennis. That's From the cool. moment that news broke yesterday, yeah, my phone was going that. off. I couldn't keep up with my phone. Yeah. Text messages, phone calls, yep. former players, current players, people that know this man, and yeah. people inside the LA Kings organization going up to the highest ranks, DB. I talked to everybody yesterday. There isn't a person that I didn't talk to yesterday. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anybody left 
uh, that's somehow connected to him. And everybody in the organization, management included, has nothing but respect for nope. this guy. They all rave about him, not as a coach, but as a person, person right. okay? The, the, coaching, the coaching accolades are there. You can look at the guy's history. You're talking about a former number one draft pick in the NHL. This guy's not a bum that was just taken out of driving a taxi cab and put behind the bench, <laughs> okay? This guy is a coach through and through. He's coached at every level, all right? But it's not about just a coach. It's about the man. The man is an awesome man. Tough love? Absolutely. But respectful. And DB, I've said this before. I said it yesterday and I'll say it again. I can't even begin to tell you the number of former players that have told me years after. I had a guy yesterday that played from more than five years ago who was calling me and telling me about how he's the fav- his favorite coach. He's the type of coach he wants to play for. Right. Why is that? Why if this guy is so tough and so demanding and, and hard on young people and making men out of them and telling them things they don't want to hear, why do they all respect him? Why do they all like playing for him? It, it just doesn't make sense. Well, your hardest teacher is usually your best teacher, right? When you Absolutely. go back, the one that really raked you over the coals or took you to task or made you accountable. You know, maybe it's a generational thing where you can't make players accountable anymore. You can't. These new players are soft. We know this, Dennis. They all want to hold hands. It's a kumbaya and all right. this sort of stuff, right? And we get it. They want to be told why, okay? They want right. to, we, we, exactly. We've talked about this. They want to be told why. They want to have it shown to them. But look, I have said over and over that Todd McClellan was the perfect coach for the LA Kings. There's a tweet that's out there within 24, not within two hours of him being fired in Edmonton. I said, that's the guy for the LA Kings because he's that hybrid. He's, he's the tough love guy, but he's also the guy who's going to respect players, treat them with dignity and respect and help them come along. To me, that's who Mike Stuthers is. He's not in that dinosaur group with everybody else. He's the perfect coach, and that's the reason I'm so pissed off, Dennis, is that to me, this was the perfect guy to make Turcotte a man, to make Tyler uh, Madden a man, to help Akil Thomas reach the next level. He's the guy who has turned these players they've had over the last couple years. Now, granted, they've had nowhere near the level of depth in their prospect pool that they have had, uh, that they have now, but he's the one who has made these guys NHL ready. You want to talk about a Sean Walker? You want to talk about a, a, a Matty Roy and all these guys? Mike Stuthers played an instrumental role. I'm not saying it's all him. You can right. talk about Mike O'Connell and Mike Donnelly and sure. all of these other guys in development. But to me, there's just no reason for this. If you look at what he was able to accomplish in the time period that he was there, I can't point to something and say... They need a different voice. They need a different guy. They need somebody who can do X because Stuthers can't do that. Mm -hmm. I just have a real problem with that. So this is the first move that I can't explain. So I'm sorry, Dennis. I don't don't have a why no matter how many people I talked to yesterday. But I know this. Mike Stuthers is a hell of a man. And anybody who gets that that, uh, guy in their organization. um, It's going to be a win. It's going to be an absolute win. Home run. His phone should be ringing off the hook right now. I'm sure it will be. He's going to land somewhere. And I also want to tell you one other story. Please. Uh, I want to tell you two things about talking to Mike Stuthers yesterday. My phone call with him was private. I'm not going to share that here. Sure. But I want to share two things. One is... He said to me over and over, I'm proud of what we accomplished. And it was just so true, DB, because that's the type of man he is. There was, there was this team first, we, we attitude. Right. It just, it rang true. And some of the other things that we talked about are private. And again, I, I don't want to share them, but I, I do want to share one thing. There was uh, it's his story. So if he wants to tell it, he can. But there's a former Kings player who Stutz doesn't know very well. Never coached him, never really had been around him. That player 
who is one of the players that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, was one of the first people to reach out to Stuthers when the news came down yesterday, which tells me what I already knew, which is... That's the measure of a man, right? Right there. And I just, uh, I get choked up thinking about it, DB, because I'm all about respect. Yep, I know you are. And... The thing about Stuthers is I put, if I had to list the three people in hockey that I respect more than anybody else, Mike Stuthers is on that list of three people. This other person is on that list of three people. Mm-hmm. And for that person to call Stutz, uh, that's, that's a home run for me. Cause sure. uh, that just, that just shows that all of my previous thoughts about both of them uh, were confirmed uh, in, in that particular moment. So uh, any parting thoughts here, DB? I know I, I've unloaded on no, you, but no, no, I, have, I have a lot more if you want. No. Well, John, what about the convention that um, you have to be a former NHL player to be on this this inner circle for Rob Blake? Because that's what it appears it's going. All the front office are all former NHL players. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure you might speculate on, on who might be on the bench in Ontario to take Stutter's place. It could be Marco Sturm. What, what about that? Are, you have to be a player in this league to be on this management team now? Look, I'm going to tell you this right now. You want to talk about who the next AGM is? I don't know if you need the next AGM. Uh, titles are irrelevant to me. Right. Uh, if somebody tells me they have to have an AGM, fine. I think everybody can connect the dots and realize that it's probably going to be Nelson Emerson. He right. was, he was for the most part, Rob's right-hand person, has been, and probably will continue to be. So he's the AGM. Do you need an AGM? I don't know. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you this, though. Get this clear. Rob Blake is the general manager of the LA Kings. Stop all this nonsense about Rob Blake's leaving, Rob Blake's being replaced, uh, what's going on with Ron Hextall, is Blake doing a bunch of dirty work to clear the air so that Hextall can come in, is Hex, there's no conspiracy theories out there, okay? okay? Rob Blake, put it in stone, Rob Blake is the general manager of the Los Angeles Kings on opening night, whenever that is, for, for the 2021 season. season, Rob Blake is the general manager. He's not going anywhere. So again, if you think Rob Blake's the problem, you're the problem. He's steering the organization towards being a Stanley Cup contender. And with the work of Mark Yannetti, with the draft picks, with the work of Todd McClellan behind the bench in LA, with the work of all the other people, Nelson Emerson, I mean, I could go on through the list, Rutu, uh, Mike O'Connell, right. you know, we could name all these people. Do you have to be a former player? I don't think you have to be a former player. It, 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 yes, there are former players that are littered throughout this organization. But I don't think that former players it's are not a requirement. It's not a requirement. But I also don't think former players of this generation are the same as former players from another generation. Mm-hmm. Look at what Nelson Emerson has accomplished away from Rob Blake. Right. Nelson Emerson has been behind the bench and has done things. Nelson Emerson isn't just a former player. No, maybe you could take some quick shots at some of the other guys that are around. Um, but who's going to be behind the bench? Look, I think personally that Marco Stern was a square peg in a round hole last year. I was surprised that he was behind the bench for Todd McClellan. I never expected that to happen. It's not a shot at Marco Sturm. It's just to say I didn't think that that was the direction they were going to go. Sure. I'm not sure that Todd McClellan thought that was the direction they were going to go. But I will tell you this, in talking to people, especially over the last 24 hours, from what I understand, Todd and Marco, especially over the last couple of months of the season, so call it from January 1st on, really started to find a rhythm and, and Todd found ways to unlock Marco's abilities and what he brought to the table. So there seems to be a, 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 a relationship that's coming together there. Mm-hmm. Is it strong enough that it's going to keep Marco behind the bench next year in Los Angeles rather than him going to the American League? That's possible. Um, I think Chris Height's probably the guy because it's an easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. It makes sense with what they're trying to accomplish. Their focus, the Kings, that is, their focus is now on development. Right. 
So I'm going to call it less on coaching and more on development. Mm -hmm. More time at TSC, which, by the way, they're probably going to open up the facility here uh, in the next 30 days right. uh, to get players back on the ice and to get some development going. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the PA is going to allow also for that. But Chris Height, Marco Sturm, those are the two names that come to mind right off this the bat the uh, of who's going to be the, the next period. coach of the Ontario You don't range. think they go outside? I don't think they go outside the organization. I'd be a little bit surprised sure. based on the conversations I was having yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you, there's not an outside search that's that's yeah, underway. Right. Uh, there doesn't appear to be any names that are on a short list. So for me, it's Chris Height. It's Marco Sturm. If I was a betting man, I think it's Chris Height and uh, uh, Marco Sturm stays behind the bench for continuity reasons mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. That's what that that would be what I where I would put my money today. Great, DB. I'm coming in loaded today, and I have a special guest for you coming up here in the second intermission. So why don't we take a quick break? And on the other side of this, Mike Stuthers, former coach of the Ontario Rain. Way to go. Welcome back to the second period. And uh, as I mentioned at the end of the first period, we have a special guest joining us on Kings of the Podcast, Mike Stuthers. Stutz, all the way from Owen Sound. How are you? I'm doing great. And I want to know, do you know exactly where Owen Sound is? Uh, From what I understand, it's about two to two and a half hours north of Toronto. You are correct. Man, I can't beat you with anything. You're on top of everything. Well, Stutz, uh, look, our our phone call yesterday was private. Um, I, I didn't really share the phone call during the first period. I, I did just acknowledge to people that I spoke with you yesterday. Um, what I just want to, first of all, just say publicly is what I said to you yesterday, and that is that uh, I have the utmost respect for you. Uh, there's three people in hockey that I respect more than anybody else, and you would be on that list. Um, I think that you are fair and honest. I love the tough love approach, but I also appreciate how you treat people with dignity and respect. And what makes me feel good about saying that publicly is that, as I said on Twitter yesterday, not only are those my feelings, but the number of people that contacted me yesterday uh, was pretty overwhelming uh, to talk about you, people that wanted to, to know what happened, people that wanted to know uh, or that wanted to share that you're their favorite coach. And, and people came out of the woodwork yesterday. Uh, people that I hadn't talked to in, in years coming out to tell me that you were their favorite coach. They were, you know, how much respect they had for you, how much you taught them, how you helped them, et cetera. Uh, it, I, I'm assuming that yesterday that was probably the, uh, the silver lining in the news that I'm assuming that people were coming out of the woodwork to talk to you as well. Well, yeah, it was it was overwhelming, and it was great. I just wish that those people had it came out before I got the call from Blakey on Friday. <laughs> we wouldn't be going through this right now. But uh, you know what? Uh, it, it was it was it was a tough uh, a tough call, um, and uh, I really wanted to come back. I've, as you know, uh, we've talked at length. Uh, you know, you know how much I enjoy. First of all, the level, uh, the American Hockey League level. Um, the challenge and, and being able to help and mold and develop people and help them fulfill their dream to play in the NHL. And then you, and on top of the fact that you're working in the Kings organization and it was a, a great run of six years, um, it was terrific. But then, you know, it, for whatever reason, 
um, you know, the, the, the run ends. And, mm-hmm. uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, a, it's a sad feeling to know that you're not going to be going through the doors at the TSC or at the rink in Ontario, um, at least not wearing the rain paraphernalia or slash King's paraphernalia. But, man, the people that have reached out, uh, it's been a tremendous warming feeling. And um, I guess it just kind of justifies my thinking in, you know, uh, again, turning down some opportunities either to go to a different organization or uh, coach at a higher level. Um, you know what, it, it just feels good and and uh, makes me feel proud that, um, you know what, in some small way I've been able to impact these guys or influence their lives. And, and you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, and it took something like this where I guess it's to really hit home for me. I always felt good about my players and the relationships I, I tried to develop with them. But, you know what, as, you know, players have been traded and I've reached out to them and said, hey, uh, you know, good luck in your new new surroundings or if they've been sent down from the NHL, you just kind of send them a little message and now they were doing it for me. And, <laughs> uh, man, I'll tell you what, it, it made me well up a couple of times, uh, I'm not going to lie, um, pretty emotional with, uh, you know, the amount of people and, and surprisingly uh, some of the ones that, you know, you may think you'd never hear from again. And then, you know, you've always got the ones you know you're going to count on. And and it, it was just, it was good. And it's been good for my wife and myself. And I'm not a real social media guy. So uh, between my wife and my daughters, they've been able to fill me in on the things that I probably would miss. Um, because, you know, I only follow the mayor. Um, <laughs> I, I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know what, it, it, it just, it makes you feel good. And I, I don't want to go on about it any longer but uh, it is what it is it's, it's time to move on and uh, I'm looking forward already to bigger and better things and a new challenge so Stutz I have to ask you then were you emotional enough that you needed a hug uh, there are only a few people that are allowed to hug me um, <laughs> that was an inside joke for people that don't know that Stutz does not <laughs> like to hug so <laughs> I'm yeah I'm not I'm well that's it's not exactly true because my daughter's and my wife, uh, yeah, I, I hug them all the time. Um, I'm a little standoffish with the people you just meet, uh, you know, and you don't really know all that well, and they want to hug you. And, <laughs> and then, uh, so anyway, this uh, this social distancing that we're, we're going through right now works out great for me because Perfect. I don't have to worry about people wanting to hug me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Um, there were two things that stood out from our phone call. And again, I, I only share uh, these two things. That's the rest of it is, is private. One of the things that stood out was you said that you're proud of what we accomplished. And you said that several times. And to me, that just speaks to the type of man that you are. It Even in this difficult time it was all about the we it was all about team and to me that's just who you are and, and i'm curious just where that where that comes from is it just sort of the way you were brought up is it something that you realized along the way at, at a certain level of coaching or when did that start to register with you or do you even just say and do that and believe that and you're not even really aware that you're doing it uh well i'd like to think that it's it's just an innate thing but you know what growing up all my life playing nothing but a team sport um you know what and along the way you're always going to have a couple of maybe players that you played with that um i I won't use names but here's an example so let's just say the game ends and you know what you you lost uh four to two 
and everybody in the room's kind of dejected and down, but that person that got two points, a goal and an assist, they're elated and they're like, hey, where are we going after the game, guys? Let's go. Hey, get the heads up. Let's be going. And, and then conversely, you know, uh, you know, your team wins and that certain individual didn't register a point. Um, and they're all down in the dumps and you can't even talk to them and stuff like that. So you kind of learn early that there's always one or two guys that maybe aren't in it for the entire group. They're in it for more themselves. Mm-hmm. And any team that I've been on or any organization that I've been on or with that's had some success and, and won a championship, and, and I've been fortunate enough to uh, be part of quite a few, um, it's always been about the collective group. It's never been about one individual, and I don't think any one person can do it all by themselves. So when I refer to we, I refer to the players. I refer to our captains, and, and I've, ha- I've been fortunate to have some terrific ones, Vinny Laverde and, and Brett Sutter, and I've been very fortunate to have a real supportive staff around me, whether it's the assistant coaches or, or the video help or you know the trainers and the equipment guys. I mean, I've been fortunate that uh, – but in order to have success, everybody needs to do their job and unselfishly. So uh, when I say we, I, you take it even beyond. It's it's the management. It's 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 everybody that's contributed. Whether it's you know the, the, you get a regular bus driver and mm-hmm. he knows that you know, after a game we've got to get to the next uh, destination. He's got to pin it. Like you know what? And and I that's why I refer to we. I think um, it's it's not about any one person. It's about the collective group. And we're playing a team sport and. Um, you know what, I just think that uh, that's the most, most important thing. And I'd like to be able to, you know, thank everybody, um, you know, because it, whatever whatever that's happened and whatever success that, you know, um, has been uh, thrown my way, it's, it's, it's been through the, the undying help of a lot of other people. So, you know what, I, I, I said it to you yesterday, and I'll say it again, I'm, I'm damn proud of what we did. Um, uh, I think we did everything that was required of us um, as a team to the point of development. It wasn't so much about wins and losses and the sacrifices and, and you know, knowing that, okay, well, at the end of the day, you know, the win-loss record for your own personal stats aren't going to be all that great. But the, the better part is the seven or eight guys that are getting NHL ready and they're going to be playing in the NHL. And I think that's, that's what it's all about. So again, I refer to the American Hockey League. I love it, man. I just, I just think it's the best, and I'm hoping that things will work out for me down the road here, and um, and know that uh, it's another opportunity to impact uh, some different uh, players or some different people. The Calder Cup would be almost too easy to point to if we were to talk about some of your favorite memories. I mean, obviously that was a great time there in Manchester and almost a, a Cinderella situation, right? It's the, it's the final game. It's the final season. And to win that cup and to win the championship is, is awesome. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. And Andy Tong was there also, who I know you like to give a hard time to covering the team for mayor's manor at the time, but. Oh, I love the bus. His <laughs> All the time. Any opportunity I get. Oh man. Yeah. How about the night when you showed up in Colorado and didn't know that he was going to be there? Do you remember that? Yeah, well, that one, he got me on that one because I wasn't aware that he was going to be there. Um, 
So how about this? I will say he didn't. He, hey, he didn't have his arms extended looking for a hug, though. He's smarter than that. <laughs> yeah, he's, I guess he's smarter than me. Then, um, <laughs> my my question though really is this: When you think back on all, all of these these times, and I'm sure it's been probably a, a, a reflective period here over the last 24 hours, are there any other things that that you've thought about that have given you a chuckle or put a smile on your face? You know, besides the cup. Oh man, oh, like how much time do we have? Because I mean, I've got a. I got a million stories and a million laughs and a million reasons to be, uh, you know, in a good mood and, and a positive outlook. I'll, I'll tell you, like, um, I got the call from Blakey on Friday and I automatically reached out to, you know, uh, my kids and, and, and immediate family and that, but one of the other, uh, and some other people, uh, but one of the first people I, I texted was Paul Bissonnette and, you know, he's quite a character and we've yeah. had a, a great relationship. We, I coached him in junior and then we had him in Manchester and now he's, he's the king of, of, uh, spitting chiclets and everything else. So I no sooner hit send and my phone was ringing and he was, a, anybody that knows this is he's really easily, uh, like he's wound tight. So mm-hmm. he was just all over the map. And I mean, he was, he was more devastated than I was. And, and, uh, but I mean, we, we laughed and we, we carried on, we told some stories and it was exactly probably the guy I needed to speak to at that time, because no matter what, if, if you know Biff and he always would say something like you could be mad at the entire team or you could be mad at him and you're addressing the team and like you're out of position and you're in the wrong spot, but he always had something to say in a way that it was just funny like he was just a fun and he would lighten the mood and that was his value to our team during that Calder Cup year we had some really talented players and Biff I guess I and I'm not you know being disparaging of him he wasn't the most talented guy but he was the most valuable guy because he was the glue in the room and everybody looked forward to Biff being around actually he took all the heat off of everybody else during practice if somebody screwed up they knew it was going to be Biff that was going to one up them and and, and I, I there was times i actually had a timeout like i i this we'd be doing a drill and this would screw it up royally and we'd done this drill maybe 30 times already and then he'd go and just so wound up and he'd be out of control and he'd screw it up and i just i just blow the whistle i go Biff, and i just point with my finger i go go sit in the penalty box you need a timeout well the other guys they in would practice? just laughter. Oh, all the time. So, and the other guys would keep doing the drill, but now they're laughing and they can't even, they can hardly even keep themselves upright. And this is in the box and he's just got the head going back and forth and he's watching the guys go up and down. And then every once in a while he'd tap on the glass. He goes, Stats, can I come out yet? And I go, no, Biss, <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's fantastic. But it's, you know what? It's John, there's so many good stories and, and, and there's so many good characters in the game. And, uh, I mean, that, that's that's the beauty of it. And no matter what, like, there's always times during the season where, you know, maybe you, you're not winning games or the power play's not going or whatever it is. And you're, you're just – and then you get – you think of a story or somebody starts reminiscing about a player or a situation or something that happened off the ice or something that happened on a road trip. And you might have heard that story 16 times, but it'll still – it'll still be a belly laugh. It'll still have you bent over gasping for breath because you're laughing so hard. And, and I think that's the beauty of it. It's, it's a beautiful game. It's a fun game. And, uh, man, I've, I've had a great run and I'm looking to keep this thing going. So, I mean, um, it didn't, uh, it didn't last as long as I wanted with the Kings, but 
I look back six good years. What the heck? That's pretty darn good. Yeah, for sure. And Stutz, I don't want to keep you any longer. I do just want to ask you one more thing, though. I've said this before, but never have asked you about this. One of the most interesting things I've found about talking to you post games is that the games that I expected you to be the most upset, you know, maybe the, the, the team was blown out six to two. Um, it was the opposite reaction. Whenever I expected you to be in a good mood, you would be in a bad mood. And when I expected you to be in a bad mood, you would be in a good mood. The team would win sometimes. And then I'd come in to talk to you and I would get one word answers. And it was obvious that you did not want to talk. So are you aware of that? And if so, why is that, that you're always the opposite of what I, or not always, but you're usually the opposite of what I would expect you to be. Are you aware of that? Well, I mean, listen, if, if after the game, if the score is seven, one, and you got the one and the opposition got seven, like you don't have to tell the team you shit the bed. Like they, they know, you know what I mean? I don't even know. Can you say that? Yeah, you can say that. that. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, like you don't need to tell them, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I, I usually approach it as like, you know, when you're, when you're coaching and you're watching your team play, you may win some games, but you can start to see, or you can see some flaws or some unraveling of, you know, your coverage or your, your, your systems or your work ethic and everything else. You may get by on, you know, that particular night you squeaked one out, but you really didn't deserve to win. So that's usually when I like to remind them that, hey, like, we weren't very good. So don't sit here and patting yourselves on the back. Like, you know, we gave up a lot of odd man rushes or whatever. We gave up scoring chances from the slot and, and whatever. So you kind of need to dial them in that way. When you kind of get it handed to you, it's like, okay, well, Duh, that's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's the same like that after, after practice or preparing for practice. There'll be times where maybe we didn't have a great weekend. And, and I know, like, if we had a recovery day on the Sunday, those guys have pretty much spent the whole day going, oh, man, I wonder what practice is going to be like tomorrow. And then they come in on Monday and they're like, they're asking the assistant coaches, like, what kind of mood is Tutsi and, like, what kind of practice are we going to have? How long are we going to be out there? And usually I'll go the other way and, and I'll go, okay, you know what? Like the last thing they need right now is for us to pile on them. Let's just keep it short. Let's keep it light. Let's get some things done. And I think it's just, John, I think it's just a way to kind of keep them off balance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? You, you don't want to become too predictable. Um, and I mean, I am a pretty predictable guy because I'm pretty regimented in what I, I do and what my expectations are of these guys. And th- they know that. But, uh, you know, like, okay, I'll go back to uh, the, the Calder Cup uh, again. And, you know what, we had we had a, a very talented team. And I didn't know that coming in because I was on the outside looking in. They had a previous coach. They had some good regular seasons. They didn't have a, exactly great playoff success. Mm-hmm. And I go in there, and I had a meeting with, uh, with, I think it was the season ticket holders, and I got barraged with a bunch of questions. And I'm like, geez, I don't know these guys. I don't know the situation <laughs> and everything. And they're telling me that they're too small. Oh, so, and I'm like, okay, well, there's not much I can do about that because, I mean, if they're small, they're small. And then they're saying they're not tough enough and they don't win in this and that and the other thing. And, and, I, and I finally, I just, I had enough of it. And I just said to them, I said, well, maybe part of the problem is you guys aren't giving them a chance. I said, you keep telling me what they can't do. What can they do? Like, somebody in this audience, raise their hand and tell me what they can do well. And let's build on that. And I took it to the players, and I said, listen, guys, this is what's 
that's being said about you. And I don't believe it. I said, I don't know you, but I don't believe it. And so anyway, we go and, and we had a, a great year and it was a great team and everybody was in it for the right reasons. We had some guys that were smaller and that were skilled. We had some bigger guys that were heavy and hard to play against. We had a good mixture of toughness and we had a lot of good elements, right? So then you look at it and you go, okay, this is what it's all about. And at the end of the year, we win a championship and the league MVP is Brian O'Neill. And he's one of the smallest players on in the league. Mm -hmm. And the MVP of the playoffs was Jordan Wheels, who was, again, mm -hmm. one of the smaller players in the league. Yep. So that part didn't matter. Like, stop telling me that, you know, they can't do this because they're smaller. They can't do this. Because, and I'm like, so it just came around full circle. But we had a practice, uh, and these guys, I know they went out the night before. I know they went hard. And they came the next day, and I'm telling you, John, I put it to them, like, I gave them, I knew, and it was a high-tempo practice, and we went for, I think, about 55 minutes. And at the end of them, I called them all in, and they were down stretching on, on both knees like they typically do around the center ice circle. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I said to them, I said, guys, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure right now as we're gathered here in early October. I don't know if we're going to win the Calder Cup, but I know the way you guys practice today and the way you guys hang together and the way you guys stick together, I said, we are going to be a threat and we are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And we went through that regular season and we went through the playoffs. And you know what? It was just a gut feel, John, that I had about that collective group. But it was more of convincing everybody it was not so much what these guys can't do, it's what they can do. And I, I think that it. was the biggest thing from it. And you know what? And again, we had guys that were willing to stick to their role. Um, they were willing to, you know what, uh, if they were a centerman, they were willing to move to the to the wing. If they were a winger and they were, you know what, typically a second-line guy, maybe they were happy to be in on the third line. We had guys in and out of the lineup, and, and uh, some of them were, were pretty good players. And you know what, here's another story. And I don't know how long we got, and I, I, it doesn't really matter. Stutz, I mean, we have all the time in the I, world for you. I love the stories. Keep going. Well, listen, I don't have a job, so I don't have anything else to do right now. So. Fantastic. So all year long, I kept we bugging can, you to come on the podcast. Now's the perfect time. Exactly. So, <laughs> but we had, we had a player and, uh, and, uh, Scott Sabrin and you know what? And, and he was, oh man, he just worked so hard and he was really popular with his teammates, but you know, we're going into the playoffs and you've got to make some tough decisions. You can only dress so many guys. So, you know, I called the core group in and I said, listen, guys, like, I'm going to have to talk to Savvy here. And, you know, there's a chance he's not going to play every game and he might be in and out, out of the lineup. So I said, I need you guys to, you know, like, pick up his spirits. He's going to be down and dejected. And, and rather than those guys say, ah, that's like he's too valuable. He's got to play. They were, they were like, whatever you think we need to do to win. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll handle, you know, Savvy. And he is a terrific kid. And I know he's with Ottawa right now, and he had a heck of a, an accident there. And he's, he's worked so hard to get himself into the NHL. And, and you know what? He didn't play in the playoffs. And he was one of the most supportive guys of the rest of his teammates. And he did all the extras of the so-called, you know, the black aces of the guys that are not playing regularly. And, again, it was a commitment by him to help his teammates. It was a commitment by the rest of the team to be supportive of a guy that, wasn't playing regularly, but they included him in everything. 
and they were supportive of the decisions we were making as a coaching staff. So, I mean, all those things are important, but it was, you know, we had the core group of, you know, Vinny Laverde and, and uh, Andrew Bodnerchuk and Sean Backman and, and, and Jeff Schultz, and the list goes on and on and on, and it was like, okay, like I can trust these guys to the point where we would win playoff rounds, John, and then because in the American League, you don't start up right away. You usually... Right. You're waiting for the date to become available in the arenas, or maybe you're waiting for your next opponent. So, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to win, you know, round one. You move into round two. Well, round two, um, I think uh, that was Wilkes-Barre, if I remember right. Uh, we won it in five, so we had some time off. And then, so I gave the guys days off. I was like, hey, take three days. And you know what? We'll come back to the rink. And we'll, and then so it ended up going into Hartford, I think. Or it might have been Hartford, uh, Wilkes-Barre, Wilkes-Barre. I can't remember now. But we beat Hartford four straight. So now, again, we've got all this time off. So I gave them, I gave the guys, I said, well, here's three, four days. And we'll come back to the rink and let's be ready to go. And then, uh, so we then were getting into the finals. And, and one of the players, and I won't, I won't divulge his name, he said to me, he goes, uh, that's like, you know we've been going pretty hard, huh? And I go, yeah. He goes, but, but you know, like, like we've been out and and, and drinking and, and everything else and, and kind of carrying on. And I go, yeah. And he goes, but you know, we go really hard. And I go, <laughs> I know you do. I said, I know that. But what I do know is you guys will come to the rink and you will go harder on the rink than you did off the air. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the beauty of the game. These guys would go out and, go golfing and have a few beers or whatever in those days off. But when they came back to the rink, there was no question that any one of them was going to dog it. There was no question that they were going to be fully committed to what we were doing. And they would, they were able to dial in and get refocused. And, and I think it was maybe the fact that, you know what, they had some success in the regular season for the few previous years and it didn't translate into the playoffs and they could taste it. Like they got, they got that thirst to win and so as a coach listen I, I want these guys to have a good time they're professional athletes I want them to enjoy their time away from the rink so if they're in LA and there's a chance to play beach volleyball in the afternoon then I don't care go for it but when they come to the rink whether it's game time or practice time then I want their undivided attention for whatever the duration is if that practice is going to be 55 minutes then the only thing that matters is that 55 minutes. And the rest of the 23 hours and five minutes of the day, that's theirs to do whatever they want. That's the point of being a professional athlete. That's the joy of it. So you should enjoy the game, and, and hopefully that keeps your, your passion to play going. So you know what? You try to implement some structure, but you also have to remember that they need to have fun. And boys hockey players they like to have some fun so long as they're not hurting anybody and so long as they're being respectful of you know their obligations whether it's the husband or fiance that their kids that they need to take care of then you know what there's a time for the boys to you know what have a good time and there's also a time for them to be you know serious about their craft well Stutt, since you're going to give me the time i have to i have to uh, ask the question then there's some we could cover we're gonna to have to have you back on later because i want to talk about the flyers i want to talk about okay. you being a first round draft pick i want to talk about rick tockett i want to talk about john stevens and all that stuff but i don't want to let you run today without telling the story when you were in owen sound the bobby ryan on the bike uh story can you tell that story <laughs> it's a classic one Stutz. come on oh well listen there is there's 
a lot of classic stories throughout junior. But so anyway, we we had we had Bobby Ryan, and we had uh, and, you know he was I think he was drafted second all overall by Anaheim, and we had Stefan Rizitska who was drafted by the Flyers, and we had uh, Andre Secura. We had some we had some players, but anyway, we 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 had a, a game that we weren't very good, um, and you know the next day. The, the players that didn't go to school. So just so the people that are listening and they might not be familiar with junior hockey, uh, most of the kids are of school age, so they're going to high school. So they go to school during the course of the day, and if they get off at three o'clock, we'll have practice at three thirty or four thirty, and then they go home and do their homework or whatever. The guys that aren't going to school, the guys that are a little bit older and maybe have already graduated, um, we don't want them sleeping in all day, so we have them come in in what we call the breakfast club. Well. We would have that for the players that did not go to school. So those guys that I just mentioned, among others, they, they would come in every morning. And at, at that time, um, you know, I would ride the bike with them or we'd do a weight circuit and, you know what, and, and stuff like that because I'm a big guy on fitness. And, and at the point of junior, you're trying to prepare these guys of what it takes to become a pro. And that's a lot more than what they are accustomed to or a lot more than what they're used to. And it's not just wasting valuable time. You want to get bigger, stronger, faster, whatever. So anyway, go back to the fact that we weren't very good the night before. We've got breakfast club the following morning. And because it's on sound and it's a little smaller market, we don't have, you know, a bike for, you know, 30 athletes. So, you know what, we had to break into two groups. So the first group was riding the bike and I was riding with them. And we rode, and it was a pretty hard ride, and, and, and then we were done. So I, I said to the, the, the second group, I said, you guys get on the bike. I said, i got to go in here and do some video. I said, you guys stay out here until I come back out and get you. I said, you guys just ride, and I'll come back out and, and tell you when you're done. Well, I got, as you probably know from me, I got <laughs> so in, engulfed in my video, I forgot the time. So I don't even know how long it was, to be honest with you, but... One of the trainers finally came in and he goes, hey, Scott, like those guys are still on the bike. Like, How long do you want them to ride? And I went, oh, shit, I, they still ride? And I said, I totally forgot about these guys. So I had to go flying out into the room, and sure enough, there they were, hunched <laughs> over their bikes, and they were dying. And I'm telling you, it had to be an hour and 20 if it was a minute. And I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. So I actually had to apologize to them because I was like, it was – because they thought I was just penalizing that group. Right. And – the first group didn't ride that long. There's no way I was going to sit on the bike for an hour and 20 minutes. So, I mean, I, I, but it didn't work out. But now I, I think back and I just laugh at it. And I'm, I'm actually proud of those guys. I'm actually proud of Bob that he didn't just get off it and get in the shower and go home. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the backstory to that is I didn't know it at the time, but Bobby was so exhausted from riding when he got into the shower, he threw up. So. <laughs> What what a way to end the story. So, Thanks, Dutz. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but I mean, it's just, oh, John. Like I could talk to you about a million things, and then you just said about the Flyers, and you said about Talkit, and 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 uh, John Stevens, and man, I'd I'd love to talk about all those people. There, it's it's just awesome. Like there's there's so many things I can share with you, and I mean, there's I know there's a lot of questions that you want to ask me, and you know that there's questions. I will answer, and there's questions that I probably will deflect. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never know. You might just catch me in one of those moments where 
you might find you get an answer that you weren't even expecting. <laughs> well, that happens quite often with you, Stutz. And one of the other things <laughs> I'm going to have to bring you back on to talk about is the, the drive home. So for people that don't know, you, you took to the road uh, and you and your wife, you drove from Southern California back to Owen Sound during this COVID thing. So when we have you back on, I want to hear the road trip stories. I'm sure there have to be a couple of uh, a doozies that took place on that long journey home. <laughs> hey, John, I'm going to tell you. I try to make sure there's a couple of doozies every day. <laughs> that's, that's very true. That's very true. Hey, Stutz, I appreciate the fact that it took you six years to warm up to me uh, and, and that we're kind of on good terms now. So I look forward to speaking to you again uh, very soon. You know what? Uh, I, I, I want to thank you for always being, you know, upfront and honest and direct. And, and uh, you don't play any games. And, and I got all kinds of time for that. And to, I don't want you to get a swelled head here, but you work hard. You do your homework. So, you know what? I, 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 I give you a lot of props for that. So if you need anything or if you want me to come back on, like I said, uh, I really don't have anything <laughs> filling my plate right now. <laughs> so, uh, whatever you need, I'd, I'd be happy to talk about it. Thanks, Dutz. I appreciate it. Have fun uh, with all the, the grandkids there and enjoy Owen's Town and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks very much. Thank Bye you. for now. Mike Stuthers, former coach of the Ontario Reign. That was a long, extended second period. We'll be back after the break. More good hockey talk with Dennis Burns. Welcome back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period, Kings of the Podcast. We're back, DB. It's It's been an extended run here for a couple of months without any shows. And uh, how about the first two periods so far? Do we need a third if that's still this interview? <laughs> that was fantastic. And John, just to let you know, I, I felt a duty to have you go one-on-one -on -one with John, wow. uh, with the mic, because uh, of the relationship I know coming in. Uh, it's great that you could pull him in and have him have a conversation right after this Unfortunately, happened with him. That he's not going to continue with the Kings, but uh, fantastic interview. And and you can see in that interview why people are reacting the way they do to the man. So mm -hmm. just a fantastic chat with him, and hopefully he'll be able to come on again and talk with us again. Hey, look, you don't have to threaten me with a good time. You promise you're going to come <laughs> back on the show. You know I'm going to be booking you back on the show again. <laughs> right, so for sure. Stutz will be making a return appearance uh, for sure. Absolutely, DB. There's so much news to get to because we have not. Uh, been on the air for, for a couple March, of months. Right, yeah. Uh, so playoff predictions, I think we can get to that in another show because there's still so much Kings news oh, to get absolutely to. Absolutely. And by the way, they're not starting these playoffs. Uh, what do you call the, the, the play-in round? The play-in round. Is that, is that okay, that's what it is? Okay. Round so it's not the regular the, season, it's the play-in round. Yeah, right. and the, the weird thing is that if you're a better, like I was on the uh, Vegas Sports and Inter uh, Information Network with uh, Paulie Howard on Friday. Um, so the people that bet on Montreal and Chicago to make the playoffs, yeah, Caesars has to pay off on that bet. And the the most amount of tickets they had on teams making the playoffs this season was Montreal and Chicago. They took a bath on that. But hold on, but they didn't make the playoffs. Yes, they considered making the playoffs. See, now I would have a problem with that because yeah. this actually leads in, ironically, okay. DB, yeah. this leads into my very first item yeah. um, on my list of news items here, which is uh, people have been asking about the conditions on the Clifford uh, right. trade and one of those conditions was um uh toronto making the playoffs and uh, campbell winning and games, campbell winning right. but that also ties to other conditions that were right. made the league is has ruled 
that if the, one of the conditions that a team had was making the playoffs, that the play play in round does not qualify yeah, like for making the, the Vancouver trade. For ma- exactly, for making the playoffs. So you don't make the playoffs until you make the round of 16. So yeah. if I was the, you know, well, Vegas. It depends on the bet. If it says make the postseason, this is the end of the regular season and you're still playing. Well, this isn't the postseason, though. This is the. It's the end of the regular season and you're still playing. I don't, it's, 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 a, it's a middle season. It's not a yeah. season that's ever existed before. Right. That's a push to me. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm not I'm Vegas, so. No, I, it's just, <laughs> and it's just ironic that those are the two teams that shouldn't have made it, that right. made it, and they got to pay off on those teams. Oh, well, the NHL, I'm sure, will be happy to, to weigh in on that. <laughs> Why not? They love ruling on everything else. So back to the Clifford trade, uh, yeah. just so that everybody's clear. Jack right. Campbell did not win the six games, so that condition was not met. So the other condition is Clifford resigning. And so that was a 2021 draft pick, by the way. People keep thinking it's 2020, but it's 2021. So we have some time on that one. Uh, If Clifford does eventually end up resigning in Toronto, then it bumps up to a second-round pick. And if not, then it stays. What do you think happens? You think he goes back there? Uh, I think that they will do everything in their power to try to keep him. Uh, they need him. They need him, right. He's, he's the culture guy. He's what they need. He's a player that they don't have in that organization. And I think they realize how valuable he is. And then you look at what, what they will or will not be able to do in the playoffs. You can almost argue that they need him either way. If they go on a deep playoff run, then they're going to see the value of having right. somebody like Clifford. And if they don't, then they're going to realize, wow, we really need him to have a full season impact you know, sure. next year. But like everything players. in Toronto, it comes down to money. money yeah. They're up against the cap in so many other areas. Right. They're going to have to dump a couple of those defensemen. And how do you get people re-signed? It's a... Uh, it's, it's a mess. It's it's a mess. So it's not just a Kyle Clifford conversation. It's a league-wide conversation. <laughs> well, it's definitely a Toronto Maple Leaf oh, conversation. True. But, you know, with the how do you fit 23 guys under the salary cap and then add the salary cap drama on top of that, what's going to happen with the cap? Yeah. Unfortunately, this could be a deal where, I mean, we talked about it on the very first episode of Kings of the Podcast, Kyle Clifford and the money that he was going to get as a free agent right. this summer. This could come down to one of those situations where he ends up not getting as much money as he probably once thought he was going to get, not because he's not worth it, but because the market is going to change so dramatically due to COVID. I just think there's going to be a lot of one-year deals. Yeah. Even with the big, even a guy like, here's the thing, with a guy like Taylor Hall, probably wants to go back to Arizona. The team's decent, um, may contend. Um, are you, as a general manager right now, going to commit $70 million to any player in this financial? No. no right, right now with the no. situation. You can't. So I think you're going to see a ton of, like, Petrangelo, same thing. See, one-year deals probably stay with the same team, and then to take your chances when hopefully things normalize and you get a better handle on the finances, that's going to be happening around the NHL. I want to get into the LA Kings roster here too, yeah, DB, and let's just be clear about one thing. Taylor Hall to the Kings, that's not a thing, okay? Yeah, any, somebody tried. Any big, Somebody tried. <laughs> let me let's just, let's, let's get to this right off the hop. Right. If you're a big name free agent and you think that there's an opportunity to connect that player to the LA Kings this summer, you're, you're not paying attention to what's going on. So we're going to get into how they can't even fit the current players that they have into right. the list of 14. But uh, there are there were some contract things that have already taken place. Curtis McDermott was signed. I think it's the right move. You have to re-sign McDermott. You need that intimidation factor. People can talk about the league and fighting's gone away and this and that. There are going to be a lot of young players on the LA Kings over the next two right. seasons. And a lot of smaller uh, because they're younger. They haven't completely like filled Tyler out. Madden, Turcotte, uh, well, no. yeah, I mean, even yeah. if those guys don't make it, you know, uh, Jod's not the biggest no. guy either. I mean, you're just talking about guys that haven't fully fill, filled yeah. out yet, and they're still in the early stages of strength and conditioning. Wayne Simmons was a freak. Kyle Clifford was a freak. Mm-hmm. 
Um, most of these kids that are coming up aren't freaks yet. So kids. You, like you have to give them a season or two to fill out. Yeah. And McDermott, look, he's also really improved. Great people, success story. People can knock that player, but he has really improved to the point that you can put him out there now and he's not the liability that he once was. You know, and Todd realizes that. You know, it's funny. I just wrote an article, uh, end of season article, and gave people grades and things of that nature. And I, in his little synopsis, I said, I was a guy, and you remember, I thought he'd get waived yeah. training camp. <laughs> and he went from Drake for two-year extension, just a great success story. He's loved in the room. And I agree with you. There's a physical aspect that still needs to be in the game. He's your protector. So I absolutely very, very happy for that play. He earned it. It yep. just shows that you don't need to have blinding speed and skill to make it in this league. There's still a part of, you know, there's still a place for you. May not be in a top four pair, but he is a valued part of this team. And it's just a great success story uh, this season for him. Yep. And another player that Mike Stuthers helped develop in Ontario as well. Just uh, can't work that in enough. Uh, look, Arthur Kaliev, uh, I broke the news on that yesterday, uh, which would have been Saturday. We're recording this on Sunday. The plan is, or it looks like, that that deal will be finalized on Monday. Right. You could see that to be announced by the LA Kings, his entry-level contract, which then begs the question, what yep. do you do with him? And so for those- Please remind everyone, yes, For those that don't know, for the 7,000th reminder- Age-wise, he's not eligible to play in the American League next year. He needs to play in the OHL or the NHL. Um, I personally don't see him playing in the NHL full-time next season. But here's an interesting yeah, aspect. I saw of that it. scenario that so you So you can play him in the NHL for nine games, but they don't, have to, they don't have to be nine consecutive games. So you can play him, you can slow play him. Nine games over the first, say, 20, 25 games. And then now you're in, uh, you can send them to the American League on a two-week conditioning assignment. That's all you can do. That's legally allowed. So then you do that. That buys you a couple more weeks. Now you're into December. This is all assuming the league starts on time, right? right? Then you're into December, and now he goes to Team USA training camp for the World Juniors, and then he plays in the World Junior Tournament again. And now you don't really have to make a decision on what to do with Kaliev until around January 5th. And at that point, you would probably send him back to the Ontario League. He'd score 40 goals in 20 games and you'd hopefully go on a long playoff run there. And they could also, you know, highly encourage that he ends up on the right team uh, that's going to go on a playoff run. But here's the thing. Any delay in starting the regular season could actually work into the Kings' favor, DB, yeah, because then right. you don't have to slow play him nope. nine over 25 plus a two-week conditioning assignment. If the league doesn't start until about a month before World Junior Camp in December, mm -hmm. so if the league starts in November, mid even mid-November, he might not even get a chance to play nine games because there right. could be so short of a window. Right before you send him to the camp. So this could be one of those weird years that actually plays into their favor. And as one of the uh, Kings management members told me yesterday, look, let's be honest, Kaliev isn't the first guy that's ever been faced with this tough decision of right. a, uh, OHL or NHL. And him going back for all the people that, that want to say, you know, there's no reason for him to go back. There are a million reasons for him to go back. Uh, not to say that it's the ideal situation. AHL would be the best, but you have to deal with the hand that's that, that's in front of you and you can't send him to the American League. So OHL might be the place for him to ultimately end up, but it's in the hands of Arthur Kaliev because this kid's going to have hopefully a huge summer and force them to make a difficult decision come training camp time. Uh, but we'll look at the other 14, you know, or the other players that'll be contending for those 14 spots. I don't think, and this has nothing to do with Kaliev, I just don't see a way how he worms his way onto the full-time roster at the NHL level next year. They'd almost have to make some trades to get rid of some guys right, because exactly. they have too many forwards as it is. Right. Um, okay, so Jordan Spence is the other one. This is a kid who uh, made the top 15 of our rankings. Uh, he Interesting story on the defense side of things, DB. 
Um, they're getting ready to sign him to an entry-level deal as well. He was the uh, rookie of the year last season in, in the Quebec League as a junior player, and this year was the top defenseman in the league. So really keep an eye on this kid. Jordan Spence uh, just has an amazing ability with the puck, and he, the, 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 the path sort of reminds me of Mikey Anderson. Mid-round pick, not a lot of people are paying attention, right. but all he does is just continue to advance and almost be a pro at the time that he's ready to become a pro. Mikey Anderson, uh, I, I kept telling everybody, watch out for Mikey Anderson, and then now this kid's already cemented himself essentially a spot on their defensive. He was fantastic. The on their blue line. He, played in, he was yeah. really, and you talked about the maturity as well. Yeah. You could tell a leader right off the bat. Oh, right off the bat. The kid will wear, Mikey Anderson will wear a letter. I'm not saying Jordan Spence will wear a letter in Los Angeles, but do keep an eye on him. And if you haven't read the scouting report, go back into the prospect rankings. DB, it took much longer than I expected, but the prospect rankings are finally released. Uh, we had 15 this year for the first time ever. Yeah, Normally it's that. 10. So uh, Anderson Dolan was at 10. Akil Thomas at 9. Kale Clegg was 8. Mikey Anderson at 7. Uh, just released. You had Kapari at number six. Just wanted to give you a couple of quick notes. Um, Kapari is on track. There are no issues uh, allegedly related to He's his healing. knee. Good. He's healing fine. He should be ready to go. This will be another uh, big summer for him. The key note on Kapari is... As a European player with a lot more time and a lot more space, he's used to being able to do more one-on-one. -on -one. And so I continue to hear from, from, from people, <laughs> we'll leave it at that, um, that he needs to be less of a one-on-one -on -one player and needs to learn to you know, get that puck quickly over to some of the, uh, the other players on his team. And he will start to advance. Once he makes that switch in his head, uh, I think Kapari will be fast-tracked, uh, and you'll see him in the NHL sooner than later. But he, he's right now targeted for one more year in the American League. Tyler Madden at number five. Um, that's, that's, an, that's an interesting footnote, because when I started these rankings in January, Kapari was actually number five, and then they acquired Madden, right. and you slotted him Something in right there. behind Kaliev, who was at four. Madden is one of those players that he has all of the tools size and strength are the only thing. Right. And so he's going to have to work on that. That's going to be his, his key thing to work on as he becomes a pro. And that's really one of the reasons that he wanted to turn pro this year was he's ready for the next challenge. And so for him to be around all of these men and to be a professional, he's going to have better training regimen, have a better training regimen. Exactly. exactly. So he's, he's going to be there. Um, Kaliev at number four. Uh, I highly encourage you to read the notes that we had in there. As I always say, DB, we talk to more people than anybody else Absolutely, about the LA John. Kings prospects. And when it comes to Kaliev, I can tell you he's one of the players that when I was talking to everybody yesterday about Mike Stuthers and I was talking to management and everything else, I was also talking to them about Kaliev because of the timing of the, the, the contract coming on Monday. So read the scouting report there. Bjornfoot at number three. The easiest thing I can tell you about Bjornfoot is the kid doesn't do anything wrong. He's positionally sound. He is he's a stud. He's steady. He's right. steady. He's right there. The only thing that we need to um, ask about Bjornfoot is will he develop any offensive flair to right. his game? And that'll ultimately determine where he slots in as either like a number two or a number three defenseman. So it's not a knock on him. It's just to say he's going to have to work on that shot. He's going to have to need it to get through traffic on the point. Sure. Um, but he's a very important part of the LA Kings future and is, uh, you know, just look at the prospect rankings. He is the top defensive prospect that they have right now. They need to add one other big stud defenseman to this pool and they don't have that yet. And I don't think they're going to be getting it uh, at the draft this year either. So mm, no. Jake Sanderson. Uh, well, well, we'll talk about the draft when we get closer okay. to the, to the draft. Um, number two is Turcotte. 
Look, Turcotte does everything right out there. Again, read the scouting reports. We have stuff in there from yeah. McClellan. I have stuff from scouts. Uh, Turcotte is number two. Velarde is number one. And uh, people sometimes are, are asking, is Vilar Gabe Velarde really the number one prospect in the organization? Let me tell you read something. It. Yeah. Let me tell you read something right now, said. people. Yeah. I don't care what you've read anywhere else. I don't care anybody who wants to try to tell you that Turcotte's number one or Fajimo or Kaliev or any of these people. Nobody in the LA Kings organization has wavered one bit over the last two years. Every single person in management, in the scouting group, in the coaching groups, fellow players, everybody has say, said the same thing over and over. It's Gabe Velarde. And if you go back to the scouting report that I had last year in the prospect rankings, the only reason why he wasn't number one last year were because of the health uh, questions. Right. With that behind him now, Gabe Velarde is the most dynamic number one prospect in the organization. You had a good point there, John. So what do you think happens with Turcotte and Velarde? You said one of these two are going to be their 2C. Yeah, one has to be the 2C. Right. And so the other one's going to play wing? What do you think? Or they, would they drop the 3C? What well, do you think would happen? it's a great question because, look, it lines up like this. Jod is really the prototypical 3C. 3C right. You could put him at the 4C or you could put him on the wing. So if you wanted to keep him at center, you could go down the middle with Kopitar, uh, Velarde, and, and Turcotte and then uh, a Jod. But to put Velarde or Turcotte at the third line center, uh, you're almost too dangerous. You're almost too deep. And I know that that seems like an oxymoron. It doesn't right. make sense, but you're better off putting Turcotte or Velarde on the wings. So you probably need from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, you want to keep your, the majority of your offense in the top six, yeah. right? And, and if you put one of those guys at the 3C, you're probably not giving him as many minutes as he's right, earned exactly. or deserved. So, you know, it becomes more of a long-term question than a short-term mm -hmm. question. Look, don't bring Turcotte into the league and give him fourth line minutes no. and ruin him like you did like a guy like Nick Shore who never he never was able to break out. This is a guy who was leading the American League in scoring and then never broke out of being a fourth line player in the NHL. He just his mind was never able to adjust on well, the what, offense. What was your line, Daryl scared the offense out. Daryl did scare the offense out of him. That's for sure. And you don't want to scare the offense out of a guy like Turcotte. No, so no. for now, Velarde's at center, and and that's because he has Ferk on the wing, and they kind of have a nice little one-two yeah. thing going. Does Turcotte maybe start his NHL career at, at the wing? I don't know. Let's let's give Turcotte a year in the American League, right. sort it out, because you also have Kapari. I think Kapari's a winger. I don't think he's a center. I've said that for quite some time now. Um, and that is in the write-up there as well. So if you can put if you can put Kapari on the wing, uh, why have you, I heard that before? Another another European <laughs> player. It's not a center. Uh, Kempe, the yes, of course, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that one of those guys ends up being the two C. And look, nobody wants to hear this either. But at some point, you have to move on Jay Kopitar to the two C. This is not happening anytime soon, people. No, 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 but in the not. years ahead, at some point. You would move. Uh, you would move right. Kopitar. The sixth year of his contract. You would move Kopitar to the two. Kopitar would be fine with it too. Well, and you would hope that one of these yes, guys is the elevate. future number one seed. That's the best thing that can happen for the organization is for one of these guys to stand up. And if it's Velarde as your one C, man, and Kopitar as a two C, yeah. you know, uh, you'd you'd hope that Turcotte is in the top six. But boy, right. if he's your third C. This team is deep. Yeah. People need to pay attention. This team is really... We haven't even talked about Akil Thomas yet, no. who's also a center. Right. You know, could he be the 3C with maybe Jod in the 4C? Or, you know, does Jod move to the wing? Is just This team is so deep down the middle with so many options of whether these guys are going to be centers or whether they're going to be wings. The next two or three years are going to be a lot of fun, DB. Um, but let's get into the roster for next season. Sure. Okay? Um, I've tweeted this out a couple times. Uh, forget about the line combinations. Let me just throw it at you. These are the players that are competing 
for the 14 roster spots. So uh, you have Ayafalo, Kopitar, and Brown, okay? They're on, they're on the team. Yeah. You have Kempe, Velarde, and Ferk. And maybe you don't like Kempe on that line. So again, it's not about the line combinations. I'm just reading them to you the way that I put them down. You had Grunstrom, Lazat, and Carter. And then you have Trevor Moore, Jod, and I have Lewis on the fourth line right wing. Now, you also would then get two of these players, either Luff, Wagner, Amadio, or Prokorkin. So let me just give you a couple of quick updates before we start debating this. Um, you probably don't have the roster uh, space, the, 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 excuse me, the um, contract space to sign both Lewis and Prokorkin. Agreed. Because the Kings are offering these entry-level deals to Kaliev and Jordan Spence. And as I've mentioned earlier as well, they're going to be looking for a, uh, a free agent defenseman, right. a left-handed defenseman to yeah. add to their group of seven. So when you start adding all these contracts up, they're bumping up against the contract max. So it's either Lewis or Prokorkin. Um, Lewis would definitely be more important to the team. Um, he brings culture. He brings so many of the things that they like. Uh, look, the, the Kings are looking to build around five vets. You're talking about Kopitar, Brown, Carter, uh, uh, Dowdy, and Quick. Those are the five that are going to stay here. Um, the problem with Lewis is as much culture and everything else that he brings to the team, you really don't like playing him over the younger guys. You Agreed. you want to get Luff more minutes. You want to get Wagner. You want to get Amadio. So And I don't know how you bring him back. He, at two million, he's gonna have to take an he's gonna have to take a minimum deal to stay in LA for what the thirteenth season. Well, I don't see it. I, I who know well, I mean Drew has plenty of money. Maybe he can chip him off a little <laughs> bit, pay his rent or something, you know, I don't know. But uh yeah, it's gonna come down to Lewis or Perhorkin. There's a there's a coin flip there. But I, I, John, I don't think it's a coin flip because Perhorkin gave nothing and now it I have a concern that they're never going to want to sign Russian players out of the K. And he was healthy scratch. Yeah. And I had him as a B because I said, look, all you need at midseason was more time. And he was a healthy scratch. Really didn't do it. didn't score goals since December 2nd. And that's what you needed from the guy. So I would definitely lean towards. I think he might go back to the K. Okay. Now, hold on, though. Look yeah. at the depth down the middle. Uh, the lineup that I gave you, you have Kopitar, yeah. you right. have Velarde, uh, you have Lazat, Lazat, and you have Jod. So, and Amadio. Okay, well, and you have Amadio. So if you, if you don't... You really need to do a lot of work. Okay, so Go ahead. who do you want to... I mean, if you, don't, if you want more size, that's where Pahorkin comes in. I mean, what's your other option at center then? It, it's, I mean, you could move Carter back there, but he's not a center no. at this point. Carter's a winger. So that leaves you Amadio. I, I don't know. But Pahorkin has a lot of size. And if you could ever get that size going... Yeah. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I, I just don't think... The coach is a fan. Okay, so let's go through the list okay. again, and then you tell me who the other two players are. So Ayafalo, Kopitar, and Brown. All Done. of them make right. the line. Of course. Okay, Kempe, Velarde, and Ferk. Okay. They all make the team. Uh, Grunstrom, Lazat, and Carter. Okay. Maybe you could argue that Grunstrom, Grunstrom maybe, a, right? Yeah. Uh, Trevor Moore, Jod, and then there's an open spot there with Lewis. So right now you have maybe two spots that are open, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you two more for the scratches. Okay. So you have to give me four names out of these names. Grunstrom, Lewis, Luff, Wagner, Amadio, Prohorkin. Lewis, Luff, Wagner, Amadio. So Grunstrom, no. No. And, and he's, he's not, he's not, wa- he's waiver exempt, right? Uh, he might not be, actually. He, okay. might, he might be out of waivers. I'd have to go back and take a look. Okay. It's been so long, Dennis. I don't remember I off the top of my head anymore. Been on cap friendly for three months. Yeah. Know, exactly. Um, Grunstrom's a, a tweener. I, I don't know. Every time they bring him up, I haven't seen much. So if they can wait, if he if he's eligible to go to A, then start him in the A. I just think that you need Trevor around to help a little bit more transition because we always mention harp on all how many youngsters there are here, mm-hmm. and and with Cliff leaving and with Muzzin leaving and with Martinez leaving, 
if, if Trev's willing to take a cut and come back to stay in LA, that would be the guy I lean towards. Yeah, I, I certainly like having Lewis around for that reason is yeah. that you, you just need another guy. And I think you also need a guy who's not one of, look at the five guys that I mentioned, DB, and yeah. there's one common theme among those five guys. Tell me if you can pick up on it. Brown, Quick, Kopitar, Dowdy, Carter. What's the common theme? Dean Lombardi. No, that's not what I was going for. Okay. Money. All of those guys are high-priced, big-money guys. I think you need a blue-collar, lunch-pail guy, a ham and egger, whatever you want to call him. That's where Trevor Lewis fits in. He's the relatable guy. He's the guy that the bottom six players can relate to, and they're not intimidated the way they would be intimidated of a Kopitar or a Brown or a Dowdy. He's happy to play any position. He can play center. He can play play wing. I think he gives you depth and versatility. And Yeah, yeah, I don't want to... If I was Rob Blake... Yeah, if I was just going to say, if I'm Rob Blake, I don't want to re-sign him at two million. No, you can't. But you know, uh, if I'm Trevor Lewis and I want to stay in LA and I want to sure. hang out with Drew Doughty and my BFF, and you know, uh, then you know, and I want to be part there's of the LA Kings, right. yeah. And I want to finish my career with the LA Kings. There's yep. a there's a price for that. So okay, so Wagner, you didn't name Wagner, right? You said Amadio, Amadio, uh, Lewis, Luff, Luff. I think I did say Wagner. Did you? Well, who are you for then? You had Amadio, Lewis, Luff, and Wagner. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, those are yours. Not 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 Prokorkin and not Grundstrom. Okay. Mine mine would be uh I like of the four, I would go with Grundstrom, I would go with Lewis, I would go with Luff, and then my final decision would come down to Wagner, Amadio, or Prokorkin. Everybody tells me that Wagner creates chaos and to keep Wagner. And Wagner shows me more than Amadio at this point. Uh, but, man, I just... Hopefully he's working on his breakaways. For Horkin, I, I don't know. That's Were just, you on that Zoom call? Uh, which with, one? With uh, Velarde and, and Wagner? When Velarde said he need to work on his speed, he goes, I'll show you how to skate faster if you can show me how to score breakaways. <laughs> Hopefully he's practicing right now. Right now because well, TSC's not open yet officially, but maybe they can go down to a local basketball somewhere. court. Exactly. Yeah, and put on, uh, like Turcotte, just strap on the Bauer rollerblades. <laughs> That's it. And uh, I thought Turcotte was hilarious on the on the thing there. What about on the defensive side of things, DB? Yeah. You have, uh, so you're going to have seven defensemen. The, the spots are already pretty much lined yeah. up. So you have Dowdy, you have Matt Roy, you have Sean uh, Walker. Sean Walker. And you have McDermott, and then you have Mikey Anderson, and then you're going to have to bring in a uh, uh, left-handed defense. Right. Uh, is going to be your free agent signing, and then the seventh slot is going to rotate between Bjornfoot and Clegg. Clegg, right? Um, you know, who it doesn't matter who starts the season; they'll right. both spend time in that in that role. And I don't mean as the seventh defenseman; I just mean yeah. from a numbers. Those are those right. are the seven slots. What do you think about that defense there? Um, you got to find a partner for Drew Doughty. Yeah. That the, and is it is it Bjornfoot? Long be? term, the plan would be that yeah. it would be Bjornfoot, but yeah. I'm not sure that right out of the gate that would be because then how do you slot them all together? Because yeah. where's where does Mikey Anderson fit in? And well, Mikey is Mikey a first pair defenseman? No, he's not. Right. He's 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 a second pair defenseman. But then you start having to figure out where do you put Roy and where do you put Walker and how do you put the how do you put the pairings together? Yeah, I would hope that Roy and Walker have the same level of play they did this season. Where and Matt's a, another look. Good things happen in the seventh round. He, he really, on some nights, John, he was their best defenseman. Yeah. Without question. For and sure. that's a little bit of a criticism on Drew Doughty, but I've not been hesitant to criticize Drew because. No, I think you're his biggest him. detractor at this point. Say, well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> that one article that guy wrote. That article say, doesn't good exist. As Jared how do you even. I get, that, come on. That, just give me a break. That's not even worth <laughs> you, mentioning. You messaged me like, how could you even reference that? I, I couldn't I mean, even reply to the tweet. I can't. Um, it's still. Um, 
a work in progress. It's still relatively young and relatively inexperienced. That's why I think you've mentioned uh, Carl Gunnarsson. Yeah. A player like that, you have to bring in. And look, I like Ben Hutton. I, I looked at his advanced statistics, and they you were like decent. Who? Ben Hutton. Oh. I'm saying he's going to come back. Yeah. Like, he's the... Uh, of. Joachim Ryan was going to be the Ben Hunt guy, but Ben played way better. Ryan just, you know, look at those numbers. They're, yeah, that's tough. So, but they do need it. And the thing about it, big picture, John, I wrote this about Blake. He's got to be able to find, look, you, you got the coach right. No question. Mm-hmm. He left Yanetti alone. Great job. Mm-hmm. Leave him alone, deepest prospect pool, and you could draft as high as one. Mm-hmm. So that's settled. Like, what he needs to do is fa- find a way to integrate um, proven talent in this league mm-hmm. to this roster right mm-hmm. it's the one he's great at sending it away because he sent five guys away but he has to find a way to integrate proven offensive talent into the system and you could do that and you because you can't wait for all these guys i, I think at this point there's got to be you know, hopefully velardi stands up and hopefully turcott's your guy and maybe cali have breaks through whatever there yeah, but Kaliev and Turcotte are two years away. Yeah, it's well, just about winning. This is well, about the thing, making John. the playoffs this year or no, being they, a com- playoff competitive team this year. Here's what they need to do. They need to get to lead. They need to improve by eight to 10 points. They need to get at least a 500 hockey, 81, 82 points. And they need to play in a four, 82 game schedule. They need to play games of consequence or importance after game 41. Mm-hmm. If they're out of it again on 41, then I got to question things. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You, you have to, and you may, and I agree with you, Taylor Hall is not coming to Los Angeles. But as a way through with all these prospects and all these resources, maybe import one or two more proven players into this lineup to help them. Because Martin Furk, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure if he's going to be a, a 15 or 20 goal scorer. Maybe mm-hmm. the shot is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. There's just too many question marks offensively. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. They're on the right track. I think the one thing that Rob has to prove to me is that, you know, how do I go and, and access or acquire more proven talent because I love prospects. They're amazing. And three to five years from now, this team may be a perennial contender, but you have to move the needle now. You can't have another 75-point season. No. You cannot. It's not acceptable. Then I question if the guys running the show are the right guys. Yeah, I think think 90 points should be the goal for this coming season. That's what I – and so you need to be playing, to your point, games of consequence in March. This this can't be a team that's done after 41 games. Coming into this next season, they have to find a way to take a step – maybe even a step and a half or two steps forward, significant yep. steps Agreed. forward next season. Yep. If you shore up the defense a little bit better, uh, you certainly have the capabilities from a goaltending perspective. That's, uh, uh, that's quick, solid. quick is set, it's solid, and then you have Cal Peterson knocking at the they door. They were great down the stretch. Yeah, that goaltending is set. The defense, I want to see who they're going to bring in as that other defenseman Agreed. because they need a top 4D. So, yes, I agree. They need a 20-minute I, I agree like Ben Hutton was an upgrade over Ryan. Now you need to upgrade over Ben Hutton, yeah, yeah. and you need to add that player. It's going to be a bridge deal. You're not looking yeah, for nope. a maximum deal, but you think back to like when they were able to bring in a Rob Scuderi and how important yeah. that was to settle their D. Right. And then Great at, reference point. at right. forward, you know, you don't have the opening per se. You'd have yeah. to almost exit some of these guys or expose some of these guys to waivers. But I think you're right, though. If you could add something more than a Trevor Lewis from an offensive capability to the yeah. bottom six, then you're really going to start to see something. But here's the thing, DB. Yeah. You don't have to do it out of the gate either. No. You also have the trade deadline. Yeah. So depending how when the season starts, right. you could add that player of consequence at the trade deadline to really help put him over the hump if you liked what you saw over the first half of the year. I will say this. If Carter's playing 18 minutes a night next season, then your team hasn't progressed. Well, on the third line, I mean, he shouldn't be playing 18 minutes well, a night, we'll right? we'll see if he's on the third line. We'll see. Well, where would else would he be? You're going to put him on the second line? It's going to be Carter, Furk, and uh, Velarde? 
I don't like that line. Okay. I'll tell you well, that. I'm, I'm just saying, if he's if he's playing 18 minutes a night, it, it's it's an issue. DB, three full periods of Kings of the Podcast. It's been wow. so long, we could talk forever, but yep. uh, probably time to wrap it up and Absolutely. schedule another episode soon. <laughs> Any parting uh, thoughts for the fans? What are we going to do? 60 minutes with Mike Stuthers next time? I'm no, all for I'll no. do 120 minutes. I'm hey, all for it. Look, fans, hang in there. It's probably going to be maybe close to nine months till between the last game and the next game for, for LA. So we'll be popping in back and forth, probably around the draft again and, and free agency, but uh, just hang in there, stay healthy and stay safe. I look forward to the hate mail on Twitter. Have a good week, everybody. Get great deals on fashion and home essentials. Update your wardrobe with 20% off new spring shoes and sneakers. And 20 to 50% off fresh looks for him and her. Plus, transform your space with Lux Hotel Collection Bedding, now 40% off. And Macy's Star Rewards members can earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.